Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Spodcast, the world's only podcast that is willing to stay six feet away from you, whether or not we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm your host, Meto Media. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. What's going on, dude? Hi, I'm Alex, and Latios and Latias don't require specific Pokemon to catch. The way that you get them is to beat the game, trigger the first sighting by watching the TV when you get back home, and then it'll start roaming. Then you fly to a route that is next to literally what you, any route. What are uh, you even? What, what are you saying right now? The top comment is my intro. That's that's my thing. That's the top comment from the last video. The entire guide on how to catch Latios and Latias. I don't control democracy. Okay. Well, I mean, at least you know how to catch them now, I guess. Yeah. That's good. Cool. How you been? How you been since the last episode? That was totally exactly seven days ago. Exactly seven days ago. Um, I've been good. I uh, I took that time in between seven days ago to uh, climb a fairly big mountain in Virginia. Oh, really? Yeah, I did old rag, which was a mistake every step of the way. What it's, is... Uh, um? When I think, is it like hiking or is it like proper mountain climbing? Like, do you have, are you going? Are you scaling the side of a mountain? No, it's more like vaulting. When if people say they're climbing it, it's not like they're not Vault. like free climbing it. Wait, vaulting? Like you know, you gotta like pull like a waist high, like you know, just pull yourself up a bunch of times. It's, that's what you did, or that's what people imagine? No, that's what it is. People, if they say they climbed it, like they were like scaling an actual cliffside, they're lying to you. Let me let me give you let me give you the rundown though from the beginning. Yeah, give it to me. Most people when they do old rag, first of all, it's like a ten mile hike. Okay. But most most people when they do it, they get there at like five a.m. Why? When like because the sun's not up. And I mean, our viewers don't know this, but you know, Virginia's been pretty hot the past like. Yeah, it's two been a hundred degrees for seemingly no reason. Yeah. Yeah. So I got there. We 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 got there at twelve, like noon. Okay. And the height of the sun felt like 110 degrees outside. Okay. And we're, we get, so we're, we're getting the car around like 10. It's like a two hour drive to get there. And I, my buddy's with me from work and I say the magic words when we get in the car. Uh-huh. I, I say, I need some energy. Let's go to McDonald's. I'm getting eight hash browns. Do you want any? <laughs> Those are the magic words? Eight I, hash browns? I got eight hash browns. Because in my mind, I'm like, I need energy. Okay, that's true. Well, I guess they are carbohydrate, bro. That wait, my mind is blown. I consider myself someone who enjoys hash browns, and that sounds like an ordeal. Eight hash browns? That's obsessive, my guy. So I don't, I don't like hash browns. I like McDonald's hash browns. Those are the well, only ones I'll eat. It's because they're cooked in beef tallow. That's exactly it. Yeah. What are you washing them down with? Water or bev? Uh, water. Because I don't drink soda. Eight hash browns. Did it help? Were you energized? No, it, it weighed me down the entire day. <laughs> I remember I was, I was two miles in and hating my life. And two so miles like, in, do a 10-mile hike. A 20-mile so, hike, right? Back and forth? Or is it five No, it's, it's, a, it's a circle. Okay. Oh, okay. So basically, let me just break it down. The first, the, the, the bad part of this hike is only about like 4.2 miles. Okay. So basically you go three miles of just uphill walking and then you get to the rocky part where you have to like kind of like scale some rocks and like just basically drag yourself up the last mile and it gets progressively worse. Right. 
and <laughs> I was I was I was straight up ready to pass out because like I get three miles in and I'm out of water. My okay. buddy from my buddy from work brought two Deer Park bottles and nothing else. We very very uh, underestimated this hike. The whole time we're dying of heat because it's 110 outside, and we we get to the top, and we just didn't enjoy any of it. And like, I don't know if we I, I took some pictures. I don't know if we can link the, that Instagram that I started just to show some hiking pics. Do you know what the slash is? Um, I can get you after a link in the description if people want to see. It was a pretty nice view, but it was it, we 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 enjoyed it for maybe 10 minutes. Right. And then we we're like the the way back is easy. It was 6 miles of just slight downhill. It was actually kind of enjoyable. Right. But towards the end, cuz I wasn't done making bad decisions this day. No, of course not. I was out of water and at the end there's a stream. And okay. I, and there's this random dude who was behind us the whole time who was like kind of going our pace. We were like leapfrogging him all day. We're like We'd go for a little bit, we'd rest, and they'd start going and pass us, and then we'd pass them when they were resting, you know? Yeah, like when you're playing mini golf and somebody else is also on your pace. Yeah, it's the worst. But this guy, these guys were cool. But <laughs> I look at him, and I'm like, you think it's safe to drink? And he says, hell yeah, and he starts drinking the water in oh, this stream. Man. So I fill up my hydro flask and just chug it. Right. Because, you know, my, my bad decisions are endless and eternal. Yeah, of course. And so my buddy's looking at me like, you shouldn't have done that. And I'm like, dude, it's fine. It ta- it smells fine. It looks fine. We're good. It's water. Yeah. What are you going to wa- do? Water's water. Exactly. So then we finally get down to the mountain and, and like, I told my buddy, like you, you drive my car to the gas station. We'll get some Gatorades and I'll drive the rest of the way home. Okay. Cause I don't usually let people drive my car cause it's an, it's, it's my car. Yeah, it's a pretty fancy thing you got there. It's like a souped-up Miata. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm known for my souped-up Miata. Yeah, souped-up Miata Alex. That's what they call you. Yeah, but we we get it, first of all, I'm an I'm the na- I'm certainly the navigator because there's no reception because this uh, uh, old rag is in Syria, Virginia. I just love saying that because it sounds so weird. Right, and. I was just looking at my phone and I'm navigating through the back roads and we get, we get like, I want to say seven miles down the road. And I tell my buddy, Hey, just pull in this parking lot real quick. I don't say why. And okay. he's like, why are we switching? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're switching. And I get out and I stumble 10 feet from the car and I just, just vomit everywhere. <laughs> due to the stream water or due to the hash browns? Cause I feel like we're, it's 50, 50 we'll, at this we'll point. We'll never which... know. <laughs> Bruh. I'm surprised you were able to keep it in for the entirety of the 10 mile walk. Yeah. So was I. That's pretty wild. I mean, this seems like such a, such a health nut sort of thing to do to go on a 10 mile hike in this sort of heat. And you've just done it the way that a completely nutrition, ignorant (laughs) fat guy would do it. Just load up on McDonald's and just drink the first source of water that you bump into. It's really a culmination of all my life phases. (laughs) Yeah. Would you do it again more preparedly or is it I'd ha- I'd have to be more prepared and actually like wake up early and bring not a do lot it in the more heat. water. Do you th- yeah. are more of a like more of a fall hike to be honest. Or would a hike be more difficult in like burning hot 90 100 degree 
temperature or would it be more difficult in like basically freezing? It's pretty easy in basically freezing. Really? Because you can just oh, wear you're... more layers and you're kind of warm yourself up walking. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you wanted to go hike with us on Old Rag because you had said you wanted to go sometime. And I was like, hey, I could bring him. But then I was like, I mean, that ah, seems, it's probably a hard one. That seems like a black diamond sort of hike to go on. Yeah, I was thinking more like we try and do an extra lap around the park I normally go around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like a starter thing. I mean, the idea of hiking seems pretty cool. But I guess in my head, I'm always more thinking of it like camping. Where it's like, if we go on a hike and I don't see like a single like wolf or anything, I'm going to consider it a bit of a waste of time. Oh, I, like, I glazed over that, but we actually had to stop for a little bit because there was a bear on the trail. <laughs> Ooh, okay. That <laughs> does sound cool then. There was a mommy, a mom grizzly with her cub. <laughs> That's not something you want to be anywhere close to, right? No, the person, the person we were leapfrogging stopped us and they're like, yo, there's a bear. There's and a bit like, of a, there's a bit of a bear up the track there, mate. You might want to give it a bit of a rest. So we socially distance away from that bear. It's a bear, isn't it? I'm just working on all my voices today. It was unbearable. <sighs> How do I leave the Discord call? Have you okay. seen this Joe Rogan thing that's going on? Uh, yes. So there's this clip of Joe Rogan that the that has taken the internet by storm because he's talking about gaming culture, um, and he gives a little bit more context in the full interview. But the clip that's going viral is a effectively him saying that the the like cold thing that he says is gaming is a waste of time period and then in this interview that he has with um uh joe desana joe desena uh his guest on this episode um is joe desena talks about his kid playing video games and i don't know if he was trying to do it as a career or was just making a passing comment that you know, dad, like I can play video games. It's fine. Like people make money off of this. It's not the complete, you know, otaku thing that it was back in the day. And he was like, yeah, but the chance of that is so low. And Joe sort of like kind of agrees with them. And then it also becomes this whole conversation of like the chance of making a living doing video games, even though mainly what Joe says here is that gaming is a waste of time. I've got the clip pulled up here. Um, if you give me a second, I'll, I'll play the most relevant bit. It's only about 30 seconds. I'm, I'm going to keep the volume relatively high so it's easy to hear on the on the audio end. But here, here's the here's the clip. So that that comparison infuriates me. Yeah. Because it 
I mean, it just doesn't hold water. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not going to pretend like I know anything about martial arts. But first of all, it you're makes it not, sound really easy to do martial arts. You're not taking Brazilian jiu-jitsu for three years and being competitively viable. You're you're not. You're <laughs> like how you not, phrase you're it that way. <laughs> absolutely not. In a competition setting, three years of weekly classes, you're going to get choked out immediately against somebody who's been training for 10, 15 years the way that they would in competitions. And the other mentality of three years of Brazilian jiu-jitsu being good enough for you to be able to start a school is obscene. You're not going to get 100 people to sign up to learn from a dude who's been taking weekly classes for three years. You're not. You're going to be taught by like somebody who either has won numerous tournaments in his life or has taught students who have gone on to win numerous tournaments in their life. Black belts minimum. If you're going to be paying, you know, $160 a month to attend or have your kids attend to learn Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Right? <laughs> Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Right. I, it's, it's a tough thing for me to say. I apologize. But it, it, it's it's so dumb. But the other end of that, aside from the fact that if, if you remove the idea of making a school to teach other people jiu-jitsu, right, there's no way in hell you're making money from jiu-jitsu. You're not. Yeah. Take all the classes that you want. If you win a jiu-jitsu tournament, which is taking place over the course of several days, you're only making money if you win or if you're in the top three places. The grand prize could be ten, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. So this means you are winning first place in like three or four tournaments in a year in order for you to make like 60, 70K a year, yeah. right? That's not, you're not going to do that. There aren't I feel like be that's that not even my problem with the clip though. The, like- the other thing I want to mention is, is well, what's, what's your problem with the clip? I'm just, it's like, I, I feel like people need an outlet sometimes no, no. or like yeah. a hobby and that you, you just don't have to expect making money from it. It just needs to be something that you enjoy. Exactly. His comparison to jujitsu, he does not put jujitsu on a higher pedestal because it makes you fit or healthy or helps you find inner peace or teaches you discipline. He specifically says it because it has a higher likelihood in his mind, in his opinion, to make you more money. He specifically ties doing jujitsu to starting a small business, (laughs) to making a living, to owning a Mercedes. And because of those financial benefits, he believes that it's a better use of your time which is just false. The way that you use your time should never be valued based on whether or not it brings you monetary gain. That's just not how it works. Otherwise, anything that you do could otherwise be spent working, could otherwise be spent trying to make more money. And that's just not the sort of mindset that you need to have, especially if you're going to do something that requires the patience of starting a small business. And especially if you're going to be a human who, you know, you can't just do everything that's going to be the most profitable thing for you every single hour of the day. You have to have something to decompress. You have to have something to relax with. Now, anybody who follows Joe Rogan or has even looked into this a little bit will know that Joe Rogan actually did suffer from being very addicted to video games. Um, In his youth, he originally uh, like built his first PC or bought a relatively expensive PC to be able to play Quake uh, with him and his buddies. And he spent hours and hours and hours on that. And I could see how he would look back on that time in his life and consider it a waste of time 
because it didn't end up being anything for him, which again, should not, the fact that it didn't end up making him money and he didn't become a quick pro shouldn't immediately make that time in his life be considered a waste of time, basically. But yeah. I think he would have a completely different outlook on this if he did end up going pro. Yeah, if he ended I up mean, being a quick pro, if he ended up making or becoming a Twitch streamer or making quake content, instead of being a UFC commentator, he became a commentator on newer video games or something. I think he'd have a completely different outlook on this. Um, There's a bit more of this clip where Joe DeSena, I think it's right after this bit. So I'm going to play this next bit. So listen, listen to what he talks on here. And then immediately goes back to the mindset that you should have if you're passionate about something. He's all over the place. (laughs) No way in hell do you take that same mentality, apply it to stand-up comedy. You can't make money opening a school for stand-up comedy if you don't end up getting famous. The only way you're going to make money doing stand-up comedy, aside from making $50 to $100 a show. Wait, 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 wait. You just had a great show idea. A school where you teach comedy. Ooh, new anime idea? We'll new we'll add that idea. we'll add that to the 30 other ideas we've got. We'll make them happen one day. Okay. But stand-up comedy is even worse. Or stand-up comedy is more akin to playing video games than jujitsu is. I would argue that it's even more malicious in the way that it utilizes your time. Because for the most part, you're n- almost I don't know if I want to say this as concretely as I'm going to, but you're not doing stand-up comedy for fun. You're not doing stand-up comedy as an outlet. You know, you have to take painful moments in your life, find the comedic relatability into it, and then have the writing knowledge and the comedic timing to put that into a funny little tidbit and then get on stage and perform that for strangers to judge you on. That's not something you do at home with your friends for fun the way that you do with video games. And the end goal for that is never just, oh, it's a good exercise in public speaking. No, (laughs) you want to be in movies. You want to be a stand-up comedian. You want to have a Netflix special. You want to be on TV. That's true for almost any stand-up comedian, right? Yeah. It's not- You're right there. Yeah, like you're not doing it casually, you know, on your days off from work with your buddies. Like that's a very solo, dedicated endeavor in order to try and break into mainstream fame, right? So if you take a look at the same way in video games, these guys here are talking about their kids mentioning. I don't know if they're saying the the way that uh, Joe DeSena here says his son goes, oh, dad, you know, people make millions of dollars from this. He he doesn't follow it up with my kid wants to be a a famous Twitch streamer. You know, he says it as if he's just telling his kid to stop playing video games and his kid retorts with this with dad come on like this isn't like a complete waste of time like people sometimes people get real good and they make a living off of it like get off my back sort of thing yeah and it turns into this discussion of you know professional gaming is a real thing and and it feels like it's two halves of you know completely opposite sides of the argument if you're going to accept that being a competitive gamer is a real thing that can happen right 
you mm. can't say video games are a complete waste of time. I understand the sentiment of the 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 reasonable thing that I think both sides can sort of agree to here is that there are definitely there's definitely a large number of people who are spending a lot of time playing video games, working on streaming their video games, working on making videos for video games with the sole intention of trying to become famous or trying to become rich or trying to make money off of it, trying to make a living off of it. And it's just not going to work out for 99% of them. That's that's just fact, right? Yeah, yeah. It's an oversaturated market. There's, there's going to be very few people compared to the number of people who are trying to become famous that end up actually making a living doing any sort of online video. Yeah, but there's different ways. Like, because like, for like, if you're thinking of like, in terms of sports, the only way for you to get like successful with sports is to be good at sports. But video games is a little different. Where, to be like, the pinnacle of good at sports, you basically yeah, yeah. have to go semi-pro in order to start getting paid. Yeah, but like with video games, there's different avenues. You could be really good at something and have a stream and not be that entertaining because like that's how i think of shroud where he's just so good at a game but like i don't find him entertaining as a person not then, like personality wise not yeah, personality wise it's a, it's his skill in the game that makes him entertaining to watch yeah that's but that's then definitely like you get, you get the flip side where it's like jericho where he's awful at counter-strike but it's the most entertaining thing to yeah, watch exactly and that where, like you don't even have to be the best and you're still gonna make a living off of it exactly and yeah, exactly. And video games have so many, like if you're specifically, if the thing that you want to do is to play video games, like there will become a point where you are the most knowledgeable person in a number of different avenues. Not like if you're very good at Counter-Strike, you're eventually going to get very good at understanding what makes a good map. And if you become that person who talks about that online, like you could work in video game development. You could critique video games. You could review video games. You could play the newest video games. You could be. You could have enough clout online that you become the dude whose tweet complaining about a champion gets to a developer, and because of that, they make the game better. You know, you yeah. can have an impact on gaming culture in that way. So, it, it's definitely not the thing that you want to avoid going to college and pursue that as a career without any other preparation. Yeah. But it's definitely the most, you know, uh, the most probable now that you can make a career doing some sort of online video gaming th than you ever could when Joe Rogan was a kid. 100%. Yeah. Right? I just feel like there's so many reasons to, like, play video games. Like, everyone has their own reason why they play. Like, for me, the reason I play Counter-Strike is because, like, I found it at, like, the perfect time when I had, like, stopped playing sports. Right. And, like, the competitive nature of it, like was what i wanted right like that feeling of like intense moments and stuff was like how i filled the void of soccer once i stopped playing after high school and it was like this is what i need this fills that that little gap yeah and there's there's definitely people who like if you don't play sports and your job isn't like a car salesman or something you're never gonna get the thrill of like working hard for like a, a winning payoff that you are better than this other person at this craft outside of video games, right? You're never, you're never going to have this very tactical, you know, advantage of beating somebody on your terms at this sport if you're not physically capable of doing it. But yeah. 
video games, like for the most part, almost all sports are going to be physical in one way or another. The exceptions I would say would be something like maybe bowling or golf, where it's way I more technique. I was straight up thinking bowling. <laughs> yeah, it's that. way more technique than it is physical capabilities. But with the video games, it's like there is sort of an avenue for everything. Like if you want to be, if you're young and you've got that cat-like reflex, that that hand-eye coordination to be shroud then they have FPSs for it. If you're much more tactical about things, you can play things like, you know, real-time strategy games. You can play League of Legends. You can play StarCraft. You can play card games where it's a whole lot of preparation and the actual play comes into very slow, meticulous analyzation of what your opponent's doing, you know, like chess, basically. Yeah. Um, I think Joe Rogan also does one thing uh, one other thing poorly here that I don't I don't necessarily think is his mistake. I think I think his guest Joe DeSena here sort of muddies the waters a bit. But Joe, Joe Rogan says that video games are a waste of time uh, for a lot of people. I, I think he doesn't say it in this clip, but it, it is what he means. For a lot of people, video games are a waste of time in that you could take the hundred hours that you dump into Persona 4 Golden, for instance. And if you put that into learning how to play the cello, well, now you know how to play the cello. Versus... Is anyone streaming Persona 4 Golden? Chill. <laughs> you, you know how to play the cello versus I beat that video game, which is like a tangible thing that you can do now with that extra 100 hours that you've taken. Yeah, that's a funny example because I stopped playing the cello and started playing video games in fifth grade. Or the opposite, exactly. And then Joe DeSena, his guest's point is that video games are... I guess also kind of Joe Rogan's point is that video games are a waste of time unless it becomes your career, which I would argue twofold is. So is there an example of somebody who video games is their career, but it's still a waste of time for them? If it's your if, if it is some you're saying if it's someone's career, are they still wasting their time playing video games? Yeah. So I mean, the, the person who comes to mind for me is like Wings of Redemption. I don't know who that is. You're gonna have to fill me in. What well, uh, Frederick Knudsen did a did a down the rabbit hole on him. I, I think I linked it to you. Wings of Redemption was an old Call of Duty streamer uh, who was always known for sort of maybe exposing too much of his life online. He's one of those people. Okay. Talked about like you know how much money he was making, and then now he's mostly a meme. People mostly watch that dude to watch him get triggered at getting his ass kicked on video games, and people donating oh. old jokes and memes that piss him off just to get a reaction out of him and he's like constantly begging for subs and donations and saying there's no point to streaming today i've only made like 30 bucks you know uh, oh playing video pleasant. games is his life is his job that is what pays the bills but because he didn't take the time to garner a proper audience or get good enough at the video games that he plays you know it's sort of turned on his head where now it's still kind of feels like a waste for him to be doing what he's doing because it you know if you're not making enough to pay rent if you had taken that same five years to play video games and do something else yeah video games are currently your livelihood but you might have been better off mentally to just be in construction or something you know what i mean i know uh wings of redemption specifically had like an injury and couldn't do it anymore but yeah. you know five years down the road like you'd probably be making the same amount of money your money's a little bit more secure. You don't need to be begging your streamers to be donating to you or your your viewers to be donating to you. And it's so much less mental impact. I mean, this kid's always on the verge of like breaking a controller or threatening to cut off the stream because he's just sick of everybody trolling in his games once they realize that it's him and mock donations just bringing up old jokes and memes of, 
you know, stuff he used to say that he doesn't like anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if you enjoy doing it, it can't be considered a waste of time. I, I think that's name. my point as well. Yeah. Is if even if it is your job, if you're not enjoying it, then that makes it a waste of time. And then as a result, if it isn't your job, but you are enjoying it, then it's a good use of your time. That's how it is. I would I would say that nobody would argue that taking a trip to the beach or, you know, relaxing in your backyard, spending a day with your kids, maybe not spending a day with your kids, taking a vacation. Nobody would tell you that any of that is productive. They would never say it's productive. You're never going to get so good at taking vacations that you're going to open a school to teach people how to take vacations. You know what I mean? But on the same note, if you ask anybody, are vacations necessary? They'd say yes. At least a couple times a year. You absolutely do need to take a break, take a vacation, decompress in whatever way you deem fit. And that might be a two-week vacation with the family once a year to Disneyland to get away from your day job. It might be four hours of gaming at the end of your eight-hour shift to decompress after your day job is sort of the way that I look at it. Which Um, is probably the correct way to look at it. I feel like it's the correct way to look at it. I mean, so what becomes the big detriment to if somebody wanted to pursue gaming as a career um, in this day and age. So let's say someone graduates from high school and they decide to not go to college because they want to pursue becoming a Twitch streamer. If they spent four years playing video games, streaming 10 hours a day, I would argue at the end of four years, you'd probably at least have 10, 15 people watching you minimum if you're playing the same sorts of stuff and eventually have a bit of a personality that people come to love you know, or get familiar with at least. Yeah, I mean, there's probably it probably isn't something you should jump head first into, you know, just like set up a schedule around what your life is. Yeah. And try to like build it from there. And if like you hit a break, you know, you know, it's up to you to take it. But don't don't jump in head first straight away without any like safety net. I, that's my view. Yeah. I'm not I'm, the most risk taking person. I Yeah, I think I think the actual way that I would advise someone to go about making a what I would say a career making online content because you for the most part I wouldn't recommend just being a Twitch streamer you, you got to be an online personality if you want to make it work you can't just play a video game eight hours a day like you you got to also be making YouTube videos on Twitch highlights and giving little tutorials on what you've learned in the game and become a source of like value for somebody who's going to watch your stuff Um, but I guess my point is the alternative to that, if somebody wants to play video games for eight hours a day, it, it while they could take eight hours of classes on how to, you know, mine Bitcoin and how to invest that into real estate and become a millionaire at 28, it doesn't mean they're gonna do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. If you just take video games away from somebody, that 40 hours a week that they spend doesn't immediately get dumped into productivity. It doesn't just become an extra $300. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, a silly way to look at it. There have been a number of people on Twitter, big Twitch streamers, Dr. Lupo, Ninja, and a few others, who have gone on to say, you know, gaming has changed my life, I've made all this money, I support my parents, blah, 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 this and that. They're the exception to the rule, so I feel like they don't really have a big place to speak on. They can say that gaming is not a complete waste because look at me. Yeah. That's fair, but... I think it's kind of Ro- unfair to Joe. 
I think Joe Rogan is specifically talking about the people who are playing video games who will never have a chance of making money from it. And and yeah, I think the conversation very much becomes, you know, is playing video games unhealthy inherently? Um, I, I, I imagine now like a school counselor like telling a kid in high school, like you're not like you're the backup quarterback. You're not going to make it in the NFL. You start thinking about like what college you want to go to and like forget like Peyton Manning busting the door like, hey football changed my life yeah exactly like bo burnham has a very interesting clip where he's on i think it's the tonight show and the host asks him what would you say to someone who wanted to become uh, a stand-up comedian and he looks dead at the camera and he goes quit he was like stop he was like he was like he was like i am the top one percent of people who had a shot at this and even i got lucky to make it here you know what I mean? Like me telling you to pursue stand-up comedy because I made it is like someone who won the lottery telling you to liquidate your assets and just spend everything you can <laughs> on tickets. Like it it doesn't mean anything coming from me. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that's the biggest issue with this clip. I think it's two different thoughts. Is video games, playing video games inherently a waste of time? And what's the likelihood that video games is going to become your career? And does that give it an intrinsic value over something that's gonna more likely make you more money, and I and I think my answers respectively become, you know, if you're if you're trying to make money from video games, uh, uh, you better also be patient, at the very least. You you better have three four years ahead of you that you're gonna be okay with, you know, it's gonna take that long to make it, um, and video games are more than the money that they bring to you, just like anything else. You you don't buy a pet because it's going to make you money. You don't buy a car because it's going to make you money. If anything, they're going to cost you a bunch of money, but it's worth it because they're convenient. They benefit the overall quality of your life. And I feel like as long as life is and how much time you got to spend, you know, being with you, like if we get sick of each other, we can just stop doing the podcast. You know what I mean? But if yeah. you can't deal with who you are by yourself, you Oof. know, like, Play some video games, watch some movies, like whatever's going to keep you happy. Like you got to stay in that body for a while, bro. So if it's going to put a smile on your face, do it for real, for real. Just any opportunity that you get, like keep yourself out of a rut. And if that means playing video games, if that means binging through, you know, whatever TV show you got to do, like if that's what's getting you out of bed on time, going to work, you know, loving the people in your life and what have you. And I feel like nine times out of 10, that's what it is for most people. Like don't, don't take stupid takes online. To make you feel bad about it. Yeah. Um, we got a we got another bit of gaming news. Uh, Ninja, I've got the tweet pulled up here. Um, a tweet from at discussing film. This is a a couple articles have been made on this, but basically, Ninja is looking to enter the entertainment industry of Hollywood. Quote from Ninja: Movies, voice acting, cartoons. I'm looking at everything. Uh, there have been a couple articles that I've seen, but this is the one that has the quote from Ninja. But basically, Ninja is looking to make a transition from online personality, gaming personality, to becoming a uh, mainstream Hollywood actor, voice actor. He says cartoons. I don't know if he means animator or voice acting for cartoons. And uh, I'm going to guess animated. This has been, I I want to say, pretty universally looked down upon and it it brings up a bit of a discussion with me specifically because this is actually the sort of move that I would like to make I would like to be a voice actor and work on animation um, 
Are you going to be the know. next Nolan North? What? Are you going to be the next Nolan North? Why do you say things as if I'm going to know who that is? He's in every game you play. Is he? Yeah. Oh, is he a voice actor? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, voice he, acting. I mean, I don't... In, like, look at me. I guarantee you he's in Persona 4 Gold. I guarantee it. As an English voice actor? Yeah. What guarantee. is his name? Nolan North. Nolan oh, North. Please don't tell me I got the name wrong. Persona 4. He voices... Uh, IMDP, he's not there. Troy Baker and Nolan do sound alike. Damn, got me there. Oh, he did uh, Vincent and Catherine, though, another I, Atlas I game that, that I fell in love with. I knew that was he was in that one because he went on Funhouse and played it with them. He played Catherine with them? Oh, yeah. bro, that game's had, incredible. I don't think he'd ever played it before. I think he just did the voice acting and just, like, pieced. That's that's fair, because, yeah. Um, the this is interesting for me because I would like to think about how to do this properly, how to do this in a way that doesn't garner backlash from like the community that I have online. You know what I mean? I think the biggest issue here is that Ninja's never done anything in terms of acting, voice acting, or cartoons. Mm-hmm. You know, none of what he's done to get to where he is now has been anything to say that he wants to do voice acting because he thinks you know making being able to do different voices and be a part of digital media is like a nice legacy to leave um anything like that it it on the surface feels like he's got some online notoriety and fame and clout and he wants to turn that into mainstream notoriety fame and clout because it's going to make him more money wasn't new year's eve enough for him yeah you'd think he'd learn but but no um what's your take on this uh, i feel like that's such like a i don't i i, I mean he's not gonna take a career advice from me but like i don't know i feel like it's so such like a dick move to like walk in the industry and just announce i'm gonna try to do this now instead yeah. of like like doing it in the background and like just surprising people with it what do you think would be the correct way to go about this let's say you build up your audience i'm speaking from me by the way so let's say well, you he, have- well, let's say he has an agent and let's say you'll have an agent at this point. Okay. Your agent puts it out there to different companies that you're looking to do this sort of stuff. And then like, I feel like he's just, just putting it out there publicly just for people to just to like, like say like, Hey, come to me. Right. Instead of like, you know, actually like pursuing a job, like a normal person. They did have that, uh, movie with Ryan Reynolds about gaming, Ryan Reynolds, gaming movie um free guy uh which features ryan reynolds and i believe the premise is that he's a main character in a video game world and in the game is this a picture in the game or in the in the movie they feature a couple prominent online game people including pokimane uh-huh. And uh, gaming movie streamers. Is this going to give me the right results? It featuring Ninja and Pokimane and uh, Jack uh, uh, Jacksepticeye. They all ended up in this blockbuster movie with Ryan Reynolds, which is cool. Yeah. It's gaming themed. These people have the clout online to be able to do it. So maybe Ninja enjoyed his time in that or Ninja wants to put it out that he'd be open to do more sort of like cameo features like this. I yeah. wonder if he did mean 
you know, if he could do a full-on acting career and become the main character in the next, let's say the equivalent of like a Harry Potter franchise comes out and they, they want to <laughs> consider Ninja. I wonder if he means doing proper stuff like that. I feel like he missed his chance being in Ready Player One. Ah, if only. But there will be more stuff coming out. So maybe something like this is, you know, I think the I think the biggest sort of downside to it is that he doesn't have any sort of acting experience. I feel like if you wanted to make this sort of let's say bold move to try and break into Hollywood, you would at at the very least, I would say give respect to the people who are trying to become actors and, you know, work minimum wage jobs just to be able to live in LA with the hopes of making, you know, enough small time acting gigs to build up a resume to get something big rather than just, dude, look at how many subs I have. Look at how often I'm in the news online. Clearly, you want me in the next Transformers film, right? Yeah. Is what it feels like. Yeah. All so, right. I, I got distracted, but um, do, do you know what Ryan Reynolds' current side venture is? I, it's just so weird to me. No, what? He started a, 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 a phone service, like, like like a competitor to like Verizon and Sprint. Really? Yeah. Like, he just straight up started a phone company. I don't know how you would compete with big phone companies he just started one he was on the i saw him on colbert talking about it really yeah i don't know i don't know how you do it i don't know how he got into this but yeah he's pimping it that's pretty wild i mean it's i mean stuff like that's just like a business venture for cash i'm assuming yeah he probably I mean, but but like someone out there is saying like yo i got my phone from deadpool that's true that's true yeah yeah movies are wild all right but back to this yeah i feel like what you're saying was the better idea where you just like instead what, of just like well so what do you think is the cloud around what do you think is the right way to go about this so I'll like if i looked in, if I looked in the future ninja is 28 right i think i mean i don't i dude, i couldn't even pick this guy out of a crowd straight up if his hair wasn't blue i probably could but i remember watching him back in the back when he was a halo pro so this dude yeah. is three years older than me. So let's say 30. I'm fine with 30. I turned 26 this year. Four years from now, you see the same headline. Sumetto mm -hmm. Media is looking to enter the entertainment industry of Hollywood. Movies, voice acting, cartoons. I'm looking at everything. And yeah. you look at that headline and you go, good for him. Good. I want that for this dude. Where are my damn royalties? <laughs> Where are my damn royalties? How, do you, how would I get to that point? What would I need to do differently to what ninja's done to garner that sort of emotion out of people well, seeing my name step one be really good at halo right obviously i have to become a pro in halo reach three yeah step two wait for uh, a new first person shooter that's kind of cartoony to come out and take the world by storm right so get really really good at valorant six mm -hmm. and then drake <laughs> drake's drake's a big part of this did you see that logic did you see that logic? Live stream? That's that's my question. Yeah. So he uh, announced the um, announced the launch of his final album. Um, I don't know if you know this. I'm a huge Logic fan. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So he announced his retirement with the launch of his most recent album, and sort of within the same two weeks, did his first Twitch stream, mm -hmm. which is I. I mean, as somebody who's pursuing a career in online content creation, I'm trying to be an influencer mom. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. It, it makes me feel good to see mainstream. Do you know why it's his last album? Because he's biracial? <laughs> uh, he just had his son. Sure. And with like a lot of his music and stuff, his parents were like really bad based off of anything he, he raps about. Right. Like his mom was kind of racist to him and his dad was like not there. So his, I think his his, his mom was the one that was white. White, right? Yeah. Yeah. But like um his viewpoint was like he doesn't want to be away from his son or like not there as a dad in the recording studio. Yeah. Like he's done enough where he can just walk away and just be a dad. Right. And so I think like Twitch is something he can do like on the side because he like from home. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's been he's always been a gamer and stuff. If you watch like like his Instagram feed and stuff where like he'd just be playing on the Oculus Rift or something. Yeah. And one of the first songs that got me into him was he has a song called Super Mario World. Right. Where he uses like the, the Mario beat. And it just I, I, I just I, I fuck with Logic. Yeah. Logic's a good dude. He's also from our area. He's from Southern Maryland. Yeah, dude. He said DMV in a number of his songs, I think. He has a song called Gang Related, and uh, there's a news report in that that they use a clip from, and it's from one of our local news reporters. Ha! Uh, good on you, Logic. Much better representation of our area than Wale ever was, I'll tell you that. Well, it, Logic and the guys who help him with his music are all from the DMV. Good. Oh, hey, if uh, we could maybe get him on the podcast, because if he's going to settle down, he'd probably settle down here, right? Or is he living in L.A. with his kid? He's living in L.A. Ugh. Hit up six, though. Maybe six is around. How big would this podcast need to get for you to move out to L.A. with me? Quit your job. Do this full time. Would that even be something that would enter your mind? It would have to mind? get so damn big. I mean, if it if it paid as much as your current job does, guaranteed. Like, there's, there's no doubt in the world that it's going to disappear tomorrow. It pays you as much as your current job does. Would would you rather be doing this podcast and maybe? I don't want to be streaming? lame. What's the cost of living in LA like compared to? Because our cost well, of living don't, here don't sucks. worry about don't worry about the LA part so much. Let's just say here you become okay. full time. You know, we do the podcast twice a week, and then we also do some other stuff. And you just basically do like online social media stuff. Maybe you have a Twitch stream, maybe make some YouTube videos, whatever. But essentially, yeah. you work under the Symmetto Media umbrella to bring some of my ideas to life in a way. But it pays you what your current job does. Would you rather do your current job or would you, do you have any interest in being an online person basically is my question. If it if it was if it was guaranteed to be financial financially it, viable. It's such we, a hard decision cuz like I genuinely like what I do so much. But if the money was the same, I'd probably just switch over. I mean, if the money was the same, would you not rather want to be playing video games and doing podcasts and watching movies and reviewing movies or whatever, you know? Have a YouTube I mean, channel doing whatever your hobby is. I'm. I probably. I definitely would, but I just don't feel confident enough in my own ability to stick with it. Sure, that's fair. That's fair. I feel like movies to me. Like I would love to like. That's like my dream job is reviewing movies. But you know what's like, funny is the next thing on my bulletin board is Alex's dream movie. We've talked about movies quite a few times here. One of your favorite channels on YouTube is Red Letter Media. Somebody just commented on my channel earlier today on our last podcast from not too long ago, maybe two or three, it was the one that we did on our recommendations. Okay. Uh, Doc, who has been subscribed for two months. Thank you, Alex, for introducing me to Red Letter Media, seriously. 
That dude had never seen Red Letter Media before. He got introduced to that channel it's, it's through you talking about it on the Schwadcast. That's that's that makes that's, me really happy. That's a good feeling, right? <laughs> yeah, I love showing people Red Letter Media because it's genuinely like, like from like I love Best of the Worst, but even their movie reviews, I tend to agree with them more than I don't. Right. Not I not mean, to say that I let them decide if I see a movie or not, but I tend to to have the same opinion afterwards as them. Does the idea of doing Alex Letter Media not like excite you like i i wouldn't like they work in the industry they went to school for this stuff and they studied this stuff i don't how want old to put myself you? on the same level as them how old are you? you're not 60 that's not no. that's far from out of range of something you could very easily do in your life i just don't want to i would never hold my opinion at the same level as theirs because i just feel like they have such like a, a background of information and i'm just that's like true. like what i was saying was like to me like i would love to review movies and all that but like to me movies are just such something i just enjoy doing on my own time i'm sorry joe rogan <laughs> you'd, you'd be worried about making it into your job you mean i i just i don't know it's like it's it for me it, it feel weird taking something that's an outlet and making it the focal point of my livelihood you know what i mean i i don't because that's I feel effectively like what i have to do in order to I, pursue no YouTube i'm not i'm not I am. i'm not trying to diss you i'm just saying like no i think it's, it's interesting like taking something that's enjoyable to me and something that i do in leisure time to de-stress i've definitely and heard then put that, that kind of pressure on it i've definitely heard that mindset prior more hypothetically where people will talk about you know I used to do YouTube for fun and then it became a job and then it became more stressful because I couldn't just put out whatever videos on nails or beauty or vlogging. It's not like I have to do it in this way and I have to make an effort to get people to click on it and get people to watch it the whole way through because it's literally will or will not pay my rent depending on whether or not I do this correctly and it adds a ton of stress. But I've always heard that mentality either through somebody who's already had a YouTube channel and is past that phase and it's always become i used to take it seriously and try to min max everything that i did maximize the number of clicks do the best thumbnail blah 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 and they always come back around to it's just become the best medium place for me to treat it like i did when it was my hobby and have fun with it and the fact that i'm enjoying it and having fun with it is what will pass through the video and that's what people care about seeing so it ends up, you know, working out in the end, basically. I was going to say that I do tend to gravitate towards channels where it doesn't seem like they're trying to, like, work the system and stuff. Like, I, like they don't necessarily do, like, the crazy titles or, like, the crazy thumbnails. Or, like, in the video, they're not, like, super, like, like it could be, like, work on any medium almost. Because, like, Red Letter Media could be a TV show for all they care. Like, they could right. just be there. That's, they're, they're there to have fun and they're not going to... They don't they because like they've said a few times like best of the worst came from they would just every Friday night get together and just watch bad movies or something like that right and then they said one time like hey what if we just recorded it like this is good content right I uh, mean yeah I think that hmm I mean yeah. I, I think you're probably the first person that I've met that's been around my age, which I always thought was like the great divider or like yeah. somebody in their thirties or forties, maybe the, the premise of trying to become an actor, let's say like everybody always wants to be in movies more or less. Right. Um, yeah. or that's a very common like dream job. 
I guess, would be to be in movies. Um, it's always like the, the, completely against their uh, like the, the, there's no Mindset. real chance that it's going to happen. They wouldn't leave their job. They have a kid or they, they, they're comfortable with what they're doing or they feel like they're too old to pursue something like that. But, you know, if I went to anybody who ever wanted to be in movies, however old they were, if I was like, hey, if I can guarantee that you'd be in movies and you'd make the money that you would need to be able to keep a roof above your heads, you know, why wouldn't yeah. you take that? I feel like 99% of people would take that if it's even been an inkling. Right. If I can guarantee you can do some acting on TV or on movies and it won't be stuff that's like nobody will ever want to work with you afterwards. Right. Yeah. If it's going to pay for the roof that you have over your heads, take your time, get good at the craft. And then maybe one day you'd be in a big blockbuster once you're you know really good at acting the type of person that you want to be. I feel like if you did the same thing with YouTube or Twitch and you went to most people our ages. Right. Yeah. Mid 20s, early 20s. And you said, hey, if you could have a YouTube video doing whatever your favorite hobby was, I feel like at the drop of a hat, they'd be like, yeah, fuck this. Like, I don't want to do this corporate grind nonsense. There definitely was a time where I would have said, hell yeah. What time said, was that for you? Dude, in high school, dude, I was I would probably have told you I want to be like a streamer who plays COD zombies. Because that was my shit back then. Right. Like I was running Easter eggs like every day. Like I like we never did like we it took us years before we actually got good at it because like we didn't know any of the strats. We just brute force all these things, like trying to do Easter eggs mid round, like, like round like forty mid round, trying to like get stuff done instead of just holding a zombie. Right. Just the complete wrong way. It probably would have been funny to watch. Yeah. If you guys are getting lost a little bit, Call of Duty Zombies was a horde mode that you would play with up to four people, and you'd go up against AI controlled zombies. What Alex is saying is every round they spawn a certain number of zombies uh, that get progressively more difficult to kill and you have to sort of avoid them or sort of um, uh, corral them into like one big train of zombies that would always be a little bit behind you and you'd just be constantly moving. There are certain objectives that you want to try and accomplish that will upgrade your guns or activate certain traps or open up new rooms. Um, and the current strats when you're doing Call of Duty Zombies is after you have everything corralled, you sort of work together and you leave one zombie. Because once you're on the last zombie in the round, killing it advances to the next round. So rather than having this horde of, you know, 500 zombies that are all running behind you, you have one zombie that you've crippled and is now moving super slowly. And now you can take all the time that you want to accomplish everything. Um, yeah. And you didn't even know that back in high school. You didn't know to leave a crawler with the ray gun. and then not, not at first. Pack a puncher you know. guns and what have you, yeah. There was there's a one game that came out. I can't remember which one it was, but they tried they got rid of the mechanic where if you left one alive, it would just die after a certain amount of time. And it ruined everyone's fun. Yeah, that must be one of the later games. I remember watching Syndicate on like round 110 in uh Black Ops 1, I think. And he was demonstrating how much health the zombies have and why after round 60, 70, 80, the only way to kill them is to use the traps. Or and, the thunder gun. Or the thunder gun, yeah. So this dude had a pack-a-punched ray gun and a pack-a-punched LMG. And he had a crawler, right? So blew the legs off of it already. And yeah. he hit this thing with the full clip of a ray gun, three clips of a pack-a-punched uh, pack LMG, and then did it again. Got a second LMG off the wall, pack-a-punched that, emptied all the ammo in that and it didn't kill a crawling a single crawling zombie at level 110 yeah the health gets insane after a while yeah he was like you, I, you the guns mean nothing the only thing you can do 
is use the the monkey bombs, which make everything run away from you, and the thunder gun, which doesn't care about health. It just, it just knocks them down no matter what. I think right. It's in a certain blast radius, and it's it's just like an instant kill. It's a one like, shot. No yeah. Yeah. So that, and then you just keep dragging only, zombies only up if into you the pack traps. A, only if you pack a bunch of it, because it comes becomes the Zeus cannon. Right, 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 right. Um, there's like bosses and stuff in the later Call of Duty zombie games. I was watching um, Shift, who was a SpongeBob SquarePants speedrunner, play some Call of Duty zombies, and I'd never noticed that before. But they had straight up bosses with like, like they have a name tag over them, and they like draw yeah. electricity and stuff. I'd, I'd never played one of the later which, Call of Duty. Which one games. were you watching? Just so I know what you're talking about. Which you know, game? Which, which map or which version? It was like a shipwreck with a lighthouse. Oh, that was um, you were that was um, Call of the Dead, which is actually my favorite. Oh, interesting. It's because that one had the coolest pack, had coolest wonder weapon. Because each map also has like a specialized wonder weapon. Like we talked about the uh, thunder gun, which was, I think it was just on Ascension or maybe some others. I don't know if it was the special of that one, but it's like just like a, it just used like a wind burst into the air in front of you. Right. But the the pack a punch or the wonder weapon for Call of the Dead is called the scavenger. And it's a sniper that shoots an explosive bullet. Right. But it, the bullets act like the monkey bomb when you pack a punch it and all the zombies get attracted to it and blow up in a group. Oh, that's so high quality. What the and fuck? It make, and it makes this dope noise when it explodes where it sounds like some like high pitched, like, like metallic noise to it. Right. It, it was just, it's a great map. And it actually is a movie tie in because all the characters on that map are movie actors from like us in the lore in real life in real life they're like danny trejo sarah geller oh, like that's zombie funny. zombie movie actors and the boss zombie is george romero the guy who made the stereotypical zombie movie where they walk slowly and like all that stuff was his idea spicy did they work yeah. with the dudes or do they just have their name in there as like a this isn't enough to get sued over sort of easter egg? they they voice acted and everything oh shit oh that's really cool yeah, they did. There's um. So basically, if any zombie map ends in of the dead, it means they got like Hollywood actors to come in and do voice work. Cause like there's Mob of the Dead and that map, that game, uh, it had uh, oh, I can't remember the actors, but it had like mob boss, like mob movie actors, like I ah th- oh, I can't remember. It's like oh, I can't remember the guy from Goodfellas was in it, but a bunch of other like guys you'd see in mob films were in it because the map took place in like the 1920s on alcatraz Ooh, i like that i like old yeah. mob movies too i remember watching yeah. goodfellas i remember watching the first godfather and i was like i get why these are really well-respected movies like it, it's such a nice air of like everything's under control we control the city sort of thing and yeah while stuff does go wrong like all the main characters for the most part like know how to handle it it's not their first time having someone in the family killed or someone backstab the the you know the unwritten code of the family and shit like that i always like stuff yeah. like that yeah it's just, uh, it's an atmosphere that's so nice yeah what's your dream movie my dream movie so do you mean like i guess both. if i was making him <laughs> i guess both <laughs> so what what do you consider to be one of the best films of all time like do you have like a top five um if i it's hard to make a top five off the top of my head but there is if i was if i was good at making if i was somehow good at making movies i'd make movies like quentin tarantino but but i've seen so many people fail at trying to make a tarantino movie from my my travels of watching bad movies 
Wait, like whomst? Is there a popular example that I might know? Oh, there's there's no pop popular example. Um, uh. I remember once this. I don't even remember the name of the movie, but there was it was on Red Letter Media. They were doing Best of the Worst, and it was like a college student who was making a movie. And basically, like if you want to make a, when people like think Tarantino movies, they don't. I don't know if they initially think this, but but everyone in the movie says the coolest thing at all times. Right. Like there's there's never a moment where someone doesn't say a cool thing. And the pitfall is that like Quentin Tarantino is really good at writing that where it doesn't where like you might not even notice their first time watching, but like a college student on his first attempt trying to do it just comes across as really douchey. Right. And it's really hard to pull off. It's like like everyone thinks they're the exception to the rule. Like I understand movies so much I can break the rules. But then yeah. you find out like, no, you can't. But like, I'd say if I was making like a top 10 list of serious movies, like I'd say like two or three of his movies are in the top 10. Which two or three? Pulp Fiction? Uh, Pulp Fiction would be like the, the of uh, from ranking his films to me, it'd probably be third. Right. Um, I think the controversial thing is I'd put at number two, Inglorious Bastards. A lot of I people like Inglorious Bastards. I, I I like it a lot. I like the nonlinear aspect to it. But my number one would have to be Reservoir Dogs. My number one is Reservoir Dogs. That's my favorite movie by Tarantino. I have a Reservoir Dogs poster on my wall next so to me. So do I. But mine is from the Vietnam release. Why? Um, I got a present from someone. When they went to Vietnam, they saw it and knew I like Reservoir Dogs. So they got me the poster. Reservoir Dogs is the first movie that I saw that had, I guess it's also sort of what I like about Parasite. It had so much foreshadowing and like symbolism and it just real simple symbolism. Just all the characters are reflected in everything that they do. The yeah. Mr. Pink not wanting to tip and making a big deal out of it to you know just all that just reflects their character so well in a way that's like the story itself is so simple it, it like if you take like the non-linear aspect away and you just make it like a linear movie it's not a tarantino movie anymore it, it's not Tarantino. i'm not but not even that but it's, it's a normal movie yeah <laughs> like anyone could have made that movie but yeah. he, he cut it up in a way where you learn stuff as characters learn stuff instead of just knowing everything because like most of the time there's some sort of like what's it called like irony where you as the viewer like dramatic irony where you as the viewer know stuff but the characters don't right so and but, that's like, why cuts it's it funny in a way because you, you you realize what could happen now yeah yeah but like with that movie like you don't you learn stuff as like any as other the story tells it to you yeah like you don't know more than what any one character knows yeah and then I don't know if you've ever seen, I think it was after he won the Oscar for Inglorious Bastards and Brad Pitt gave the speech for him for yeah. the award. And like he made it, I think he made a joke saying like on stage, like I'll now give the speech for Quentin Tarantino. It'll be in seven parts, all nonlinear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he does like, that in, great. I haven't seen all of his movies. I've actually I've seen only seen Reservoir Dogs, Inglorious Bastards, uh, Django and Pulp Fiction. I haven't seen any of the Kill Bills. Um, that you, uh, they're not super. They're not like his other ones. Um, I'm guessing you haven't seen Hateful Eight. 
Uh, no, my dad's talked about that movie though. I think he likes I, that movie. The people criticized it for being overly bloody, but like, I mean, westerns. You know, Django was pretty bloody, but like, I mean, Tarantino's I known for being very gory in his movies. Yeah, Hateful Eight was probably the most gory. Right. Uh, I remember a few scenes. I don't want to give away stuff because that's. Is Tarantino your favorite director? Yeah, most most definitely. What else I, would be in like your your top three? So Tarantino uh, films you hold highly. Like what what other movie is up there with a Tarantino movie for you? I mean, The Godfather's like I've said before. Sure. Were like the movies that got me into movies, where it was like The Godfather Two probably made me like movies. Just the just the way they made a parallel between um what's his name uh robert de niro's character playing like an old don trying to like become a mob boss and then paralleling with his son coming into his own as a mob boss right was like just so interesting for me to watch and it made me like see like along with tarantino movies how like movies don't have to be this one-dimensional like one story at a time type affair Right. And it it made me see them in a new light, if that makes sense. I I feel like I have to ask you this as the person that I am. Have you seen Scott Pilgrim versus the world? And what do you think of Edgar Wright as a director? uh, So I haven't seen Scott Pilgrim versus the world because there's a, I've been turned off by it by every fanboy of it. (laughs) So I made a conscious choice. Um, But Edgar Wright, I I freaking love. Um, I'm trying to think of what movie he recently did. Oh, he was... Actually, I know what movie he recently did. Hold on. Well, he was supposed to do uh, Ant-Man, right? Yeah, I I feel like I could have told very far in advance that that wasn't going to happen. Dude kind of looks like Jon Snow. I guess I've never seen a picture of Edgar Wright. He kind of looks like Jon Snow, dude. He does. Oh, Baby Driver. Baby Driver, that's what it is. Holy crap, was Baby Driver good. Um, And it's, it's not even a typical edgar wright type movie no it's watching scott pilgrim versus the world when i was like 14 or no 15 no 15 or 16 is what got me into wanting to do youtube because his editing is so detail oriented but it just makes so much sense it's like so much effort goes into something that's just sort of like yeah why doesn't everybody do it this way and do you do you remember him? Do you ever watch Shaun of the Dead by him? Of course, yeah. Remember when he's flipping through the channels and it, and it says warns what him the movie's going to be about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that was one. I think the thing with me, the movie that he made that got me was Hot Fuzz. Yeah, I freaking love Hot Fuzz. And that's a similar one where it's like everything is a as a little joke. Everything's a little bit of a foreshadowing. Yeah, Edgar Wright, if you guys don't know who Edgar Wright is, he does this really brilliant thing with his more expressionist movies. I think Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is probably the best example because that movie is based on a comic. There was a lot of little details and stuff that he could put into the movie that made sense in this bright supernatural universe that they had. Um, Shaun of the Dead, weirdly as it is, even though it takes place during a zombie apocalypse, is a lot more reality driven. So a lot of the comedy is a little bit more, you know, back there and then back to here sort of comedy. There's there's a lot of scenes where they're 
they're super they do the the bob's burgers thing where like the world will be exploding and they'll just be having a normal conversation and and disagreeing with some completely minute detail about something while the while the world's exploding sort of thing and they have that a lot in Shaun of the Dead where it's like, hey, are the zombies still outside? And they'll open a window and they're like bashing in the window. They'll close it and they'll walk back onto the camera. And they'll be like, yeah, the zombies are still outside. And like they, they just treat it like it's normal. That's a very Edgar Wright thing to do. But I don't know. That dude's just such... I like... His, his editing is so easy to learn from as a YouTuber. I don't think there's a lot of filmmaking techniques that you can learn from directors and apply to like everyday YouTube stuff. But with yeah. Edgar Wright, little inside jokes here and there are, are just his fucking specialty. And the way that he conveys certain things, like, I don't know, this, you, you kind of have to watch some video essays on Edgar Wright movies to pick up everything that he does. But even if you haven't seen the movies, like, watch a video essay on, watch every frames of painting on Edgar Wright movies. I think it's how to do visual comedy right. Just watch, just watch every every frame of painting. Video. Just watch every one of their videos, yeah. But the way that that dude, like the, in Shaun of the Dead, where they're trying to talk about the fact that the main character isn't drinking that day, rather than saying anything about it or him saying that he's driving home that day or whatever, they just have a scene where the dude's pouring four beers and then the fifth beer is a glass of water. And then everybody's just disappointed in him. And it's like, oh, he's not drinking today. Yeah. And it's not the story doesn't tell it to you. The story gives you the context for you to figure it out yourself. And they do it in a way that's sort of fun to watch because it's a movie, you know, like the stuff on screen should be the thing that you're interested in. And the thing that people give Edgar Wright a lot of credit for is the fact that he he shows a story. He uses the visuals and the things that I think a lot of modern day cinema gets slack for is it, it doesn't feel like a movie. It feels like a long string of dialogue. And you throw in a little bit of titty here and a little bit of explosion there. But for the most part, everybody talks and they say the things that you need to know that are part of the story. And then there's a resolution. Wasn't that Tony's point in the Every Frame of Painting? I think in that. Yeah. Exactly about Edgar Wright. Yeah. And that was like, it's the show don't tell, but like it's way easier just to tell. Yeah. Show don't tell. It's way easier to tell and utilize the entirety of the frame. If you've got two people talking to each other, you know, the camera switching back and forth, there's stuff in front of them, there's stuff behind them, there's music that's going on. You have that entire room and every camera at your disposal to tell this as visually entertaining as you can. And Edgar Wright does that 100% of the time. Just Whereas, don't break the 180 rule. <laughs> yeah, just don't break the 180 rule, obviously. Um, yeah. We say that, but t half of TikTok can't follow it. it it's honestly disappointing. At least they're going to be gone soon. They're probably not going to be gone soon. Oh, Microsoft um, just bought them. Yeah, Microsoft just bought them, which means they're probably just going to sell the company and then it'll become US owned instead of Chinese owned. Um, no. So what do you feel about, um, well, God, what's his name? Um, Mao Zedong? He seems okay. I'd have a beer with him. Um, He's dead. So that'd be a really hard one to. Have I'd still have with. a beer with him. I was going to say, what do you think of Wes Anderson? Wes Anderson, I don't, I don't know if I've seen any of his movies. I understand the whole aesthetic thing of Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson's aesthetic is just so visually, uh, like, pleasing to me. What is? Oh, these movies look beautiful. What is a? Uh, what's his most <laughs> right. famous movie? His most famous is probably The Royal Tenenbaums. Um, the movie, seen... I, the movie I'd recommend for anyone to watch to really get into him is The Grand Budapest Hotel. I've seen Fantastic Mr. Fox. 
Oh yeah, that's a that was Wes Anderson. Oh, of course yeah. it was. Yeah, now looking at the fucking cinema, of course it was. The yeah. Grand Budapest, two thousand fourteen. That was the first one I saw, and it was it it encapsulates. Oh, actually, that was the second one I saw. the The first one I saw was uh, Moonrise Kingdom, which I very much enjoyed, but I don't think most people would. Right, Moonrise really, Kingdom, two thousand twelve. It's, it's kind of slow and weird and artsy and i can i can just say that's not for everyone right um so the the question becomes uh if you were going to direct a movie and yes. let's say let's say you're 45 and okay. you've had you know 20 years of experience doing movies so this isn't your first movie you have the capabilities of making something you know good you have the filmmaking technique you have the connections to get the actors and and the and the locations that you want so you don't need to worry about doing something budget so that it's you know uh realistic for you to make something that doesn't suck it's going to be good because you have the experience to make it good what kind of movie would you make what you know yeah i definitely make a a italian gangster movie a mob movie that's just my shit really that's what that's the initial like genre movie that i was so interested in like like you said goodfellas the godfather that's like the legacy you would want to leave to your name is alex makes like, very good mobster I mean, movies oh my god if that could be my legacy it can't i i don't know how many times i'm gonna remind you how young you are that can totally be the thing you do yeah i mean in my mind i just i guess because i watch so many bad movies that i just see every way it could go wrong yeah that's true um, like, like, have you seen Frozen? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you didn't like Frozen? Uh, no, no, but no, no, the not the animated one. Oh, the one where the, it's a horror movie where they get stuck on a ski lift. Oh no, I haven't. That's a real movie, and I'm I just like you watch like the behind the scenes, and these people thought they're making like the most groundbreaking, like incredible thing, but they got stuck on a ski lift. <laughs> Oh, man. And they didn't, and they didn't want to jump down into the snow. And that's the movie. Oh yeah, no, it's a feature-length movie. Jesus Christ! You keep saying feature-length as if evidently feature-length doesn't mean anything. Well, like if you want to consider it a movie, it's got to be ninety minutes. Yeah, I mean, amongst other things, yeah. Yeah, but like you got to make ninety minutes. Like if you can't film ninety minutes, what did you do? Yeah. You made a short. That's true. Yeah. Um. I had a bit of, uh, I came to an idea about what I think I want to do, what, what legacy I think I want to leave with like my life basically. And I don't think it's super far off of wanting to make movies, but recently I watched, I watched a lot of fucking anime last weekend, dude a lot and i watched a couple studio ghibli films which i've i i thought i'd never seen a studio ghibli film but after watching mononoke hime i realized i actually did watch that when i was like 12 or 13 my buddy brought over the cd and we watched it on my playstation 2 and iconic you what iconic you're cutting out what iconic i don't think i don't the internet sucks man no, I was saying, I, like, just the PS2 as a DVD player was the best DVD player you'll ever own. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, 
I think what I want to do is try and open an animation studio akin to Studio Ghibli. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say akin to Studio Ghibli, like the best animation studio that anybody could name and everybody knows the owner's name by, by name and they, and they get tattoos of all the movies on their body. I'd love to reach that point, but reasonably speaking, right? If I make it as a YouTuber, right? And I feel like I've, I've, I've at least got the skill to do that much. I feel like I'm entertaining enough as a person with enough drive and I'm young enough that in the next five years, I could probably get to a point where I'm making okay money from YouTube and, and you know, however YouTubers make money selling dead Japanese people. Bathwater. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like it wouldn't be all that tough to start making some low budget animation. I hesitate to call it anime because it'd be Western anime because I'd be making them here. But um, I well, feel I mean, like, if it's good enough, we consider it anime. That's what we do with Avatar. Yeah, it wouldn't be considered anime because it's not. No, we consider anime, Avatar anime. Like, are you meaning? It's, it's on, we're going to get yelled at. You know this. It's honorary. It's, it's established. It's established that Avatar is an anime despite it having absolutely yeah. no Japanese involvement. It has imperialism. That's true. That's true. You can't hate on that. Um, I think that's what I want to do. I feel like the the things that I would do on YouTube would lead into me being able to do that relatively well. I can learn to voice act. You know, I can make the money to hire animators. I can get really good at telling stories. I can watch enough films to get good at learning what is and is not well done. And at the end of the day, the the reason that a lot of people don't do animation is because animation's relatively expensive. Yeah. And it's expensive enough to where it doesn't make a ton of sense to do an animated film because for, you know, a couple more million dollars, you could shoot it live action and then you have this much wider audience that'll come and see it. But mm -hmm. while you can film movies relatively inexpensively, I know that for sure, right? If you if you have one editor and and you know what you're doing, you can film movies very very inexpensively. I think with animation, it's just like you can do so much more. Like you, the the main expense that you're going to have when you're trying to do a budget film is going to be like locations and like you can't make a helicopter explode, right? Even even having cars can be a problem because you can't have more than two or three cars unless your buddies have cars, sort of thing. Yeah. Like all that stuff needs to be rented out. But with animation, the the difference between you know an a a, a daily school anime and an isekai where you're being teleported to another planet is cost the same. For the most part, animation is animation. 30 frames is 30 frames, right? Yeah. So yeah, you're not wrong. It opens up all these avenues where it's like, I feel like in a perfect world, I could do, I could save up, let's say a quarter million dollars, right? As a YouTuber. And instead of buying a Lamborghini, right? I could, mm -hmm. I could put it into producing a film. A bookshelf. A what? A bookshelf. Yeah, exactly. Because knowledge. Exactly. All I need are these fuel units. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. Every time I hear Lamborghini, it goes right there. <laughs> <laughs> I know it, it does for me too, but I'm like, I'm like focused on this thought that I've got. I'm sorry. If you put it into doing an animated, let's say a film, let's say a short, whatever, a, a short, unit. a short six episode thing, you know, yeah, 15 minute runtime. And you do simple animations and you make it story driven. It doesn't need to have explosions. You can make it, you know comedic in essence or whatever but you just do that 
And now, you know, you've brought something to life. And you're at no shortage for, like, stories or premises or mangas that need to be adapted. And I feel like animation studios are exactly that. They make animation. They make their money from the animation. They have to sell the thing. But I feel like if I make my money from YouTube and I've got my rent paid, you know, if, yeah. if that's the thing that's bringing in the money to, to sustain my livelihood, I could very easily dump the rest into that, into starting a business essentially. And then it's like, if the first animation sucks and nobody watches it and nobody likes it, good. You, you got to do that 30, 40 times before you start making stuff that's worth watching, right? But even yeah. if it makes back half that money, it goes up on YouTube, it gets a couple hundred thousand views, the ads bring in a little bit of that money back, and you just keep doing that over and over and over and over. Eventually, by the time I'm like 40, I'll be able to make something like Miyazaki. Like, I'd be able to, I'd have the resources, the talent, or at least the know-how to attract the people that have the resources and the talent to be able to make something like Mononoke Hime or, or Spirited Away. Eventually. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the Killer Bean route. Yeah. What? Killer Bean. Not familiar. He, look up, Google real quick, Killer Bean. Is, I mean, is it something I should Google off the stream? No, on stream. Killer He's Bean. A, oh, these idiots. You need to stop watching Critical's videos, dude. No, Killer Bean, the guy worked on Transformers. And he does this in his free time. Is that what it is? Is yeah. that why it's so good? I thought it was like a 14-year-old who was just really good with Studio Max 3D or no, something. No, it's straight up like a guy who works in the industry does this because it's a passion project. But it seems like such a meme. He he takes it seriously. Well, I guess I shouldn't knock it. You I'm don't sure. take it seriously. I mean, it doesn't seem like the sort of thing to be taken seriously. What do you mean? Did you watch <laughs> Critical's video? The dude was very shocked by the route that the zero voice bro, acted I watched, action I, bro i watched the entire movie on my own <laughs> did you like it I, I loved it like unironically or like as a bad movie both <laughs> definitely both but yeah stuff like this like i i feel like the thing I, i'll reiterate i watched a lot of fucking anime this last weekend okay yeah. let me run through all the anime i watched last weekend okay in three days Okay, I watched two Studio Ghibli films. I watched Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke. A good weekend. Okay, I watched all of Death Note, thirty-seven episodes. Okay, thirty-seven episodes of Death Note. The first ten episodes of Sword Art Online for some reason, um, and then all of uh, Anohana, which is a a, a ten-episode uh, anime that's it, it's actually got some really interesting storytelling. Um. I might touch on it later if we have time, but almost all, of the, not in not including Sword Art Online because it's an Isekai, right? All of mm -hmm. those animes, uh, and not okay. So Death Note specifically is what I'm trying to say. Death Note specifically is not all that intricate to its animation. There aren't yeah. any massive explosions. Almost all of what makes that anime fantastic is the story writing. You haven't seen Death Note. I haven't. Right. No. So Death Note, the premise is straightforward. I, I know this anime is 10 years old. Don't give me shit for this, okay? The premise is that a dude finds the Death Note, a notebook from the realm of Shinigamis, Japanese demons, that mm -hmm. once a human's name is written into the book, they will die within 40 seconds. 
And if you specify how they will die, they will die the way that you have written if it's feasible for that human to do. Right? Okay. But you add someone's name to the book, they're dying is the, is the main premise. Our main character finds this book, decides to test it out on a local street mugger who shouts out his name for some reason before abusing a woman. And in 40 seconds, he has a heart attack and dies on the spot. And he realizes, oh shit, this thing is real. Goes home and then gets visited by the Shinigami, the demon of death that yeah. owns the death note or one of those death notes. It turns out to belong to somebody else, but he drops it in the human world. And he was like, why'd you drop this here? Are you here to judge me? Is there some sort of curse? He's like, now nah, I was bored. Want to see what would happen. There's nothing to do in my realm. Uh, that, you that's know. amazing. Yeah. And then he's like, you do whatever you want to just, you know, two things. One, most of the people who pick up this notebook or there have been stories of humans when they get a hold of a death note, end up having a very cursed life. You seem to be doing okay so far. And two, regardless of what happens, I'm going to be the one who writes your name in my death note when this is all over. And he says that in like episode one. And he's like, regardless of what happens, I'm going to be the person who writes your name down. Regardless of how this ends, I'll be the one who kills you. And he was like, okay, whatever. Dude takes it upon himself to become justice. And he's watching the news report every day to see people who have committed violent crimes and either haven't been caught or have gotten extremely lax sentences, writes their name in the death note and kills them. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to make a perfect world where rid of all criminals and right away, like episode three, episode two, the demon looks at him after he tells him this. He's like, I'm going to make a perfect world and I'm going to rule over it as perfect justice and get rid of all the criminals who haven't been punished and I'm going to do the punishing. And the dude looks at him and goes, you realize that's going to leave you as the only person who's been doing any criminal activity after that, right? You will yeah. be the one source of injustice when that's all over. And I was like, bruh, like immediately I was caught on to it. But then... The police start catching on because there's been 50 people who have been dying of a heart attack every single day. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of noticeable. Yeah, and he gets and they figure it out. And so they have this lead police investigator who turns out to be a, like a 24 year old who's constantly eating desserts named L. <laughs> and he's like, I have a feeling that I know what's going on. Clearly, this dude has the ability to kill people on site. I'm not sure. And he puts a test into play. And a news report comes up, and in the news report, it's L sitting at a desk, and it shows his full name, and he's like, I know who you are, I know you think you know what justice is, but this isn't justice. You're a murderer, just like every other murderer. You're no different than the people that you're killing. And immediately, the main character freaks out, and he goes, oh yeah? Well, let's see you what you think about this. Writes his name in the death note. Dude dies live on the air. And it's like, oh, of course we saw this coming. But it also shows you his descent. He's already not being justice. He's already killing out of vengeance and anger sort of thing, right? Yeah, and, I feel like that's a typical arc for any vigilante. Right, exactly. To. But then the news report clicks over and it's L. Or it's not L, it's the letter L on the screen. And he goes, gotcha. That wasn't me. That was a death row inmate. He was going to be sentenced to death tomorrow. That's but now I know... That's that you up. know how to kill someone just based on their face and name. Not only that, but I didn't show this TV report everywhere in the world. We staggered it. So I know this dude died specifically when we showed it in the Kanto region of Japan. I know you're in my city and I'm going to hunt you down. And I was, I was like, bruh. Like, That's next the level. <laughs> big brain levels are insane. 
and it just gets crazier and crazier and l and light the main character end up meeting and light has to try and kill l while working alongside him because his dad's the lead police investigator he's trying to stay close and the whole time l almost immediately knows that it's light almost immediately but he's just such a like detail oriented weird you know person that like he has to make sure he has it completely right and light's just doing all these shenanigans to try and get around like surveillance that he puts on his home and different tests that he does to see if he will or will not kill somebody what his powers are and are not capable of doing it's beautiful but doesn't like, you just have to stop killing people for a bit well so if he does then it becomes really obvious who he is once uh, right away they start having fbi agents start tailing around people that they think might be doing the killing so you know if you start investigating 12 people and the killing suddenly stop then it's like well okay it's obviously these 12 people that we're watching sort of thing they th there are no real plot holes hmm. i'm not remembering exactly what it is that they did but the story goes in a way that addresses all of that and i have i think i have a plot i think i know how i get out of this this is my i, I don't know the whole story this is my way out okay so so let me let me let me give a little bit more backstory so they a bunch of the police officers end up leaving the force because they're like if this dude can kill just by seeing your face i'm not investigating this fuck this and they leave so it leaves the main character's dad who's the police sergeant and then like six people who decided you know what i'm a real cop i'm gonna do this no matter what and light who isn't there he's always on a teleprompter in some other place and mm -hmm. they end up putting some piece of information uh, about the fact that they realize that all the killings have been taking place after 3 p.m. So immediately, like without any other knowledge, Light's like, okay, it's somebody in the Kanto region and it's got to be a student. Like, because it's after 3 p.m. Like, it's it's obvious somebody who's in school during the day. And then yeah. the next day, people start dying before 3 p.m. Because Light can actually type people's name in the notebook and then over like a course of several hours, he can say this person's going to die of a heart attack at 4 p.m. And then they'll die at the time that he puts. And then because okay. of that, L immediately goes, okay, whoever this is has to be somebody who can, who's uh, one of your family members immediately. Because the only way they could know that I suspected that this person was a student is the fact that I said this yesterday. And now that people are dying outside of the time frame that I gave, I'm confident that's got to be one of, one of your family members. It's and like so watching CSI. Exactly. No, and it just no criminal keeps, minds. It keeps going. It keeps going. L decides that there's a chance that it's the commissioner's son and he wants to have stuff installed in his house. So he has video cameras and tapes installed in the house. Lights already ahead of him. Sticks a piece of tape in his door and a, like a piece of pencil lead at the top. He comes home and he sees that the tape's been reapplied, but the lead's been broken. So he was like, my mom and sister wouldn't have been noticeable enough to see the tape and replace the tape but the lead's been broken and somebody missed that. I think my dad's investigating. Walks in, doesn't write anything. Doesn't turn on the TV, doesn't do any of that. Ends up finding a way to write names into the death into the death note without watching the TV news reports. He's got like a small camera or a small TV and a bag of potato chips. It's a whole meme. And then people end up dying, but they have surveillance of light just sitting at home, not watching the news report. How could he know that these criminals' names have been advertised? Okay, so we'll lessen off a little bit. But then another thing happens. Then they start catching on to him again. And it's 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 beautiful, dude. It's absolutely beautiful. You got to watch it, man. Yeah, I might have to. I don't want to be the dude telling you to watch Death Note in 2020. It's kind of cringe, TBH. But I'm sorry. That show is not particularly artistic heavy. Honestly, 
If you had that level of voice acting and that good of a story set in place, and it was really just like PowerPoint slides, just showing each other's face with different expressions, keep the animation at an absolute minimum. Like if that's the thing that costs the most, it wouldn't be as good as Death Note is now, obviously. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you could trail back on, save money on the thing, and still put out a piece of content that I would still have thoroughly enjoyed. Because the animation had very little to do with how much I rave about that anime now. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I definitely, that definitely was a good pitch, to be honest. I mean, it was, it was great. I give it a nine. It's, it's one of only Ooh. two nines I've given on my anime list. Ooh. Um, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good, uh, recommendation then. Yeah. You should, you should watch it if you get the chance. It, 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 it takes about like 11 hours to get through all of it though. So maybe don't try and watch it in two days like I did. But yeah. I did would... you watch any other anime? Did I do what? Did you watch any other anime this weekend? I did, yes. So that that one specifically is is after watching it, I felt more confident in my in my life goal of trying to open what I'm calling Studio Sumeto, my animation studio, someday down the road. It might just be my YouTube channel and I just upload animated skits or whatever I end up doing, but I like the idea of doing like a full out storyline and, and I like the idea of world building. Does that does that get you going the way it gets me going? It definitely gets me going, probably more so than finding an actual story. I love world building. I love the way that Futurama had their world building. The the every everything it's futuristic, sure. But they didn't go overly over the top with how futuristic the city was. They still had cars, hover cars, cool, whatever. They still have bikes, they still have museums, but everything's just a little bit more futuristic and usually which is probably more way. real which is probably more realistic which is probably more realistic yeah but the world building is so good bender's a robot that's just normal you know we have aliens martians whatever professor Farnsworth. yeah they they st their job is a delivery service like that, that's still a thing <laughs> they didn't get rid of the they didn't make teleporters that automatically deliver stuff no you still got to drive it to places you got to take the spaceship deliver this it's, and that. Re it's really the king of queens of animation yeah exactly but world building is fantastic. Where the fuck was I going with this? Anyway, I I I I I, I watching Death yeah, Note. That's a that's a funny point because like I watch so much Naruto that it's funny because Naruto does good world building in a like soft in world a sense building. of in a soft world building, but like physically like locations, I could tell you so little. They don't like they don't do care. Any, yeah physical like there's like some names for some locations and like some like like points of interest but like it's got a general feel but nothing concrete to it yeah as far as yeah studio ghibli does that a lot too which seems weird because a lot of their stories are otherworldly uh in essence but studio ghibli does a fantastic job of soft world building where they they actually very quickly let you know the rules of the world that you're in and what to expect to be realistic and what to subvert your expectations of realism in that particular movie. But you very quickly learn the rules of like, you've seen Spirited Away, right? Yeah. So I watched Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke over the last weekend that I watched Death Note. And I'd never seen a Studio Ghibli film before that. Um, well, no, that's not true. So when watching Princess Mononoke, I realized I had actually watched that movie when I was very young. Yeah. Um, but... Spirited Away is, I don't need to tell you it's a good movie. Everybody knows it's a good movie. It's the only animated film to win an Oscar. Like, it's, it's a fantastic movie, right? But it's, it's a not fantastic, really a hot take. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic movie for such 
reasonable. It's not the first animated movie to depict adult themes or do gore or wow, I could watch this in Hollywood. It wasn't any of that. It was literally just a beautiful story, a beautiful world, fantastic art done in a way that it it hadn't been done before. The, the, you know the story behind the main character of Spirited Away? Yamazaki modeled it after like one of his neighbor's daughters who was 10 at the time. And he felt that there weren't enough films for young girls that didn't show relationships with other guys uh, that, that weren't romantic, basically. And he wanted to make a film for young girls that they could look at and be like, you are the hero of your own story. You don't need to be somebody else's wife to have value. You don't need to do this and that. Like, you can do this for yourself. And that's why Chihiro doesn't end up with the guy, the the other male antagonist or side protagonist. What's it called? Anti-protagonist? What's a secondary protagonist called? A side character? whatever the, the the other guy the the dude who ends up being the the river spirit she doesn't end up with him she doesn't well, fall spoiler in love <laughs> she doesn't fall in love with him she doesn't declare her love to anybody you know it's just she's a boss she's gonna get it done and he spent all this time focusing on like how she would walk and how she would put on her shoes and how she would run as a little 10 year old and all this stuff just little attention to detail and it's something that hadn't been done but not not like in a crazy futuristic world exploding sort of way like just, I, I, such I love, I love this movie. But that thing about him being the river was like, I think, I, I someone's gonna correct me. I found, I thought it was only foreshadowed once, and and then all of a sudden, at the end of the movie, his whole being is like, his whole story is wrapped up in like a span of five seconds. Yeah. Well, and I was like, what? At the beginning of the story, after she signs her name to Yababa, he does tell her. Remember your name. I've that's how Yababa controls you. I've forgotten mine. Yeah. Well, and like there a, was one flashback where she's like she touches him or something and she feels like a rush of water or something. There's a couple that's... flashbacks where yeah, every time it's like she's drowning and she's trying to remember what it was. And it did very quickly come together like, Oh yeah, uh, uh by the way, you're not under Yababa's spell anymore. It that that is what it felt like at the end of the movie, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I it I it it's not a huge deal to me. I just felt like like every time I watched it, I just feel like that came a little bit out of nowhere. No, it did. It's it's not perfect in that regard. It's not the best story ever. One hundred percent. It's just really it's just really close. I I th- people give it to Mononoke. I think more often than not. I think Spirited Away is the more popular film, and a lot of people attribute Spirited Away as uh, Miyazaki's like perfection movie but like an equal number of people also say it's mononoke hime and they think the st- i agree that the story is much better in that in that film have you seen princess mononoke yeah but like you way way long ago yeah so princess mononoke has a fantastic story and it's not as artsy it's not as colorful because it's much more realistic that one isn't izakai it doesn't teleport him to another universe it's it's his home village and it takes place more or less in the 1500s as they're still discovering iron and what have you but it's got some supernatural stuff like when the forest god comes to life he's this sort of giant amorphous you know beautifully animated sort of see-through character and stuff but that one has a tight gorgeous little story about uh human involvement in nature and how nature will overtake us no matter what sort of thing which is a big theme in all of miyazaki's films i think yeah but I don't know, man. I, I, I want to work. 
Sorry, what? That was the thing that spirited away at the start was like the overgrowth in like re in like places where humans left. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I see. I don't see how you don't get hyped up about stuff like not not that you're not getting hyped up about stuff like that, but like I I had this idea of trying to open an animation studio not too long ago, maybe three, four weeks where I was like, this could be something that I could like build my life towards and try and like leave a little legacy for myself, try and make Studio Sumeto. And then I watched those Studio Ghibli films with the intention of, I want to see what the best animation is. I want to see what people, I want to see what the pinnacle, Miyazaki's old, he's done a lot of films and he's very highly regarded in the world of anime, right? So let's, let's, let's see these movies. And after watching him, I'm just like, bro, like if I want to be able to do shit like that in my lifetime, like I have to start working towards that now sort of thing. Like if I don't yeah. want to like be making my first movie when I'm 60 something, like I'm 25 now, like let's see how close I can get to getting better at voice acting, to getting better at animation, better at storytelling. Let me absorb all this information. And then maybe by the time I'm 30, I can start getting good at drawing. And maybe by the time I'm 35, I have enough money to try and do my first short animated whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have you seen, um, there's like a making of uh, Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse? No, I haven't seen uh, Into the Spider-Verse either. It's worth watching, but also you'll like it because they do a whole thing on the animation. Because that movie's animation style is so... I want to say super unique to it, but it encompasses like three different art styles within the movie itself. Right. There's a character that's more of a traditional uh, Western style, which is the main part of the movie. There's one character who's a Looney Tunes style within the movie and it works within the same rules of the universe. And there's one uh, character who's a Japanese anime style <laughs> while the background is still a traditional Western. Right. And it, it and also there's like, I think a neo-noir um, detective bat uh, spider-man that it's like the blending of art styles but there's like a making of it and how they animate a lot of scenes where there's like it's hard to say without giving away stuff or explain it to you right but there's a scene where like he jumps off a building and like falls into the i've seen that into, yeah it's like the what's up danger scene yeah and they said like how when they're animating it if you actually looked at how they had to like model the city like nothing makes sense like the buildings are all weird heights compared to each other and like it only worked at certain camera angles the way they animate it right but my favorite thing about that movie is there's like a scene where uh peter parker is teaching miles how to swing rope or oh, swing, and he's like uh, falling into the city right well no he's like they're swinging through like the trees with their webs right and they're not in sync so what they did was they animated i think peter parker at like 29 frames per second but they made miles like 30 frames per second so yeah. they were a little off Have but then as they got better at it they slowly got in sync and then their frames per second matched up this is the storyboards for parasite when bong jun ho was doing his storyboards for the movie and in a lot of the storyboards not only does he show what is going to happen in the storyboards but he also says the the lens length and the frame rate so not only does he say this scene of the main character pulling the you know tomato covered napkin out of the trash can is going to be shot relatively medium range right at at 40 millimeters but he also says that he specifically wants this at 24 fps he wants the slow cinematic 
And then as they move over to the girl, he wants that one at 45 FPS. He wants it faster. He wants to be, or shoot it at 120 because we want to slow it down because we, you know, like all this stuff. Like he, he uses the frame rate as a storytelling tool for how it makes, not only what you're seeing, but like how it makes you feel as you see these movements. Yeah, because I mean, you can invoke a lot of emotion and certain responses based off of what changing up frame rates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. Is so. I guess I didn't think about that. So, animated Hollywood blockbuster films obviously have tremendous budgets. Into the Spider Verse was uh, received very well, right? People love that movie. Getting a second one, yeah. Yeah, nobody nobody looks down on that movie because it was animated, right? Nope. Well, that Helps bodes. The Post Malone makes a hit song for it. That bodes well. Didn't I say you did my bit? I don't know the words, but I know the song. There's a there's a part of the song in the movie, but they need to keep it PG. So when he gets to like some like part of the lyrics that are not PG, he does what you just did, where, where he, he like doesn't mumbles. know the words, where he mumbles a little bit because he doesn't know the lyrics that well. But like they play it off like he's just a kid in his room, right? And you wouldn't even notice if you watch the movie because, like, it, they play it off so like naturally. Yeah, I, I want to be one of these dudes, man. That movie, all around, is amazing because the soundtrack to it is the best workout playlist I've ever had. Bong Joon Ho, is it really? He's the, the fifty. Sa- dude, you got you're halfway there. Not even that. Like, fifty's young, dude. Fifty's young for like that. That movie's gorgeous that that movie is fantastic parasite might be one of my favorite movies ever i loved parasite and he's done a number of movies but like snowpiercer was also very well received and uh, evidently also tackles on a lot of the uh nature will consume all aspects of the movies that he likes to work in but like yeah, like if I look at stuff like this and I go, if I want to be able to make a film like this, like list of 25 best film di- directors of the 21st century, like I want to be that. It, stuff like that, like if you want to be an actor, cool. You basically just have to get a breakout film, which, you know, is luck more times than it not. But to be a film director, to be a good storyteller is just work. At a certain point, you're going to have put in enough work where you are just the best man for the job. It doesn't look like what it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter if you speak English that well. It doesn't matter if the movie ends up being in the language that you want it to be, right? But if you yeah. make a good movie, it will transcend those things, right? Parasite isn't in English, right? When they did Princess Mononoke, when they did Spirited Away, it was only for a Japanese audience. They didn't care at all about like who was going to see it. They just cared about making it as good of a film as they could. And I feel like this is what I'm saying, man. Like we're so young, mid twenties, like you could, people start in their forties and make it happen. Ricky Gervais didn't write the office until he was like 38. Wasn't he already established as a comedian? No. Oh, he didn't do any stand up prior to that. He literally walked into sky one, uh, the UK television I, I'm aware. agency with the script for the office and they bought it. And they did hmm. the UK version. And then they did the US version after it got critically acclaimed because he did comedy well. And then he started doing stand-up comedy and his Netflix special and everything at the age of 50. Good for him. 
Like I, I have so many examples. When Futurama started, eleven of the twelve writers were thirty-eight or older. Eleven of the twelve writers were almost forty when Futurama started. Fifty plus when that show ended. The youngest writer was twenty-nine. Like I, if if you want to be the greatest film director of all time. You've already watched enough movies to have a good idea of what makes a good or a bad story. If you even took a slight inkling into moving into filmmaking or story development or anime or whatever in your mid-20s, and then when you get a good opportunity, when you've got some money set aside, once you're in a place where you've left one job and you want to find something that gives you fulfillment because you're sick of what your day job is, you'd be beautifully set up to be able to make something like this happen, dude. You and me both, bro. A, a realization I've been having over the last couple of weeks that I've been thinking about pretty thoroughly in order to keep myself in high spirits. I mean, it's definitely inspirational, bro. You think, given time and effort, you think you can make a? You think you can make something that would win? An, that would win a? What, what's the one for movies? Emmys? Oscars? Oscar? You think you could win an Oscar? Uh In what category? what what uh, uh mob movie right so best. no there'd be there's like there's like best director best writer i could do sound design there could be like cinematography well what there's would you want to do i feel like cinematography is something that i would take a lot of pride in winning an award for that's what i, I was probably gonna say I the like same that cinematog- like dude a cinematic mafia film like think about that bullets out of a tommy gun like those big dark clubs that they have their meetings in, the cars that they're in, like you could do a cinematic AF mobster film, bro. Yeah. Took place in the 1920s. Yeah. Someone has a random superpower because that's the twist. Ooh, that's kind of stupid, but I'd like to see it. You know what? It doesn't have to be. It's got to be different. Hey, that's true. Okay, if you were going to make a movie where the character had a superpower, what power would it be? Like just like it I can't be like I don't want to I don't want to say like it's like a groundbreaking one. It has to be like something like small, like that would be like subtle. So no, it's not I think like, that's what I'd want to do. It's it's probably a big portion of the fact that I just watched Death Note, but I think a very specific but powerful superpower that has you know some small specific strict guidelines about what it can and cannot do, and making the film around the protagonist trying to use it to his advantage. And the antagonist using the weak points of that superpower to his advantage and just exploring the nuances of that would be beautiful. Like, you have the ability to kill somebody, but no, it can't be kill somebody. It probably would. So you have the ability to turn back time, but only to save someone's life. Only if it results in one less death. It's specifically one less death from whatever your whatever would have otherwise happened in that dimension. That's the only time you're allowed to turn back time. Who do you save? When do you save them? Does this create other issues? Who's going to be on the other side of that? Why would that person want to stop you from doing what you're doing? Maybe it's Father Time. Maybe it's the Grim Reaper, the underworld. Listen, human with the ability to turn back time, these people are supposed to be dying. They're dying for a reason. How can they be supposed to be dying? This woman was pregnant. She'd never done anything wrong in her life. Listen, there's always a reason for death. And then that becomes the show, you know? Yeah. 
I'd want to do now a super. I, now I feel silly because <laughs> mine would be teleportation. <laughs> go go through your idea again. My 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 idea is basically just death note, but it's bringing someone to life instead of killing them. But I, I would do I would do a movie where, um, I would say let's say, a detective is trying to bring down the mob. Uh huh. And he kind of like sneaks he like sneaks around and tries to get information on them, but he does that by being able to teleport. And I don't want to make it sound too much like Looper with his ability with how it works. Right. But it would probably be based on he has to like visualize it to go there. Or maybe he like can like like he can like sneak a item in and he can always trade places with this one item. Ooh, trans so, like, transmogawagation, yeah. Yeah, so say like he has like let's say it's a chess piece. It's like he's the queen, because you can move around. Right. It, like across the board really easily so if like he can like put her in a crate like or in a box and it gets delivered to a location he's trying to get to boom he can trade places with it at oh like the fucking kunai knives in naruto like with a uh, minato yeah i, so I don't be... No, you you told me this once and i remembered minato because it's what my tattoo idea was for me and my cousins i still think that's one of the cooler tattoo ideas i've ever heard yeah like a group thing where like the meaning behind it the, when you were like you know we'd get it and then it would just kind of be like yeah we're always there for each other blah blah, blah. and i was like oh that's fucking deep bro that's a good idea for a tattoo nobody's gonna like, knock for anyone who doesn't know in the show minato can leave marks anywhere on items or people right and if a mark's there he can teleport to them or he can trade places with them <laughs> but that the two powers that always get to me are speed and teleportation they don't they're not the same but they can be used interchangeably in a lot of situations right but it's just like that that's why the flash is like my favorite superhero really i feel like it yeah why is super speed flash though flash teleportation kind of makes sense especially if you put some guidelines around how it works why super Teleport- speed? so teleportation if you're making a story is probably a lot more viable to the world than super speed right but super speed has a lot of i think limitations because your villain almost has to certainly be the same as your hero for it to be believable like also villain, have the ability to teleport or you mean one speed like speed versus speed oh sure yeah okay it's really hard for a villain against a superhero with speed to actually carry weight what about time slow there is a there is a villain in the flash universe, flash that does universe exactly, yeah I think they're like the turtle and like they send they, they can they can emit a bubble and when you're in the bubble time slows but time moves the same outside the bubble right oh interesting the flash is corny but i but like if you like corny it's definitely worth watching my favorite superhero is iron man but nobody ever like goes oh really why like they they, they just kind of get it oh you like the billionaire playboy who literally has every superpower if you give him the time to build it yeah sure it's basically batman it's more it's if batman wasn't so methodical yeah a cocky batman is a good description of tony stark's character and i fuck with it can you imagine the if the original plan for iron man went through who was supposed to play him instead of um, oh who was it robert jr tom cruise i wouldn't be too upset with that I, it, it wouldn't be the same. I loved him in, um, Live Die Repeat. <laughs> no, the Gladiator. Oh yeah, or Gladiator, that's right? Russell, that's Russell Crowe, I think. Gladiator? Oh no. Um, then Spartacus? No. What? What's the movie? Am I not thinking of Brad Pitt? 
What? Gladiators, Russell Crowe, and Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> no, it's Tom. it's Brad Pitt. Oh, Troy. Troy. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Troy. That actually also might be one of my favorite movies ever. I loved Troy. Troy? You didn't like Troy? No. I wasn't I wasn't with that that era of movies. You were you weren't with it like you didn't like it or you haven't seen it? No, I just wasn't a fan of it. I watched it, I just couldn't keep focused. The first time I watched Troy was in a uh, a sociology class that I took in high school and my teacher broke down all the pieces of mythology that went around with everything. Oh, you know I fuck with mythology though. Yeah. No, you should really watch Troy with like maybe commentation or something. But Achilles' character, like when he goes into war and everything, obviously he's got the weak point or whatever, but he had like a like a like a gay lover that was also what patroclus yeah that was also fighting alongside him and he went into battle his uh, patroclus not troy while troy was asleep and went into battle and people saw his long blonde hair and assumed it was achilles killed him me the the literal story of the iliad (laughs) right but it, it, it it's in the thing he gets killed like you wouldn't if you didn't know mythology you would just be like oh he gets killed and then Troy's pissed off, or Troy's pissed off. Okay. Achilles is pissed off, and he's like, he walks up to the walls of um, Rome? Question mark? Troy, Troy. Walks up to the walls of Troy, and he goes up to the king, and he's like, no. he's like, you took someone who loves from me, 1v1 me. And he sends down his best son, and they go toe-to-toe. Achilles What's is, his name? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you know. It's Hector. Yeah sure comes down they have this beautiful 1v1 right mm-hmm. yeah right brad pitt wins yeah. spoiler right but he yeah. does land one blow across his cheek like slices his cheek and it and my teacher was like it's supposed to be a testament to just how good of a swordsman he is he's not going to beat achilles but the fact that he landed a hit is like that's that's as good as a human's going to go up against you know a, a demigod basically yeah kills him drags his body around the entire city for like days, three times for yeah. days until the dad Just, finally visits him sleeping on the beach and he's like listen we can have our war but give me my son let me put tokens over his eyes this isn't doing anything for you it's just beautifully it's a it's a good movie i feel yeah i know it's just it's it's i i know the story so well that's true i guess nothing would really surprise you in it me me learning the mythology alongside watching that movie really sort of really sort of made me i guess it isn't all that impressive to just make a movie about an old mythological story, story that's been told over so long but just shot for shot <laughs> pretty much yeah anyway that's that's a thing um there's a there's a there's a youtube channel uh extra credits which is doing like a story of like how and it did a recent video on how an archaeologist found the actual site of troy right and like he thought it was like really really ancient and like there's like layers to like these ancient cities so like you keep digging down you'll find the ancient city right and like apparently like the dude blew up the actual city of troy on accident trying to get to it (laughs) because he misjudged how old it was oh no and so like he like straight up like blew it up with tnt idiots should use redstone right what were Um, we talking about before this aside (laughs) have you seen the spongebob anime 
oh yeah we were talking about that yeah uh yeah i did but you're gonna make fun of me because i saw it through criticals video the first time i wasn't gonna make fun of you it was just the fourth time you said yeah i've seen it i watched criticals video on it and i was like bro you gotta actually watch stuff i didn't say it through the, the <laughs> podcast i said it beforehand but now we've referenced it so um the spongebob anime is a fan-made animation starring the characters from spongebob in a pretty stereotypical uh following almost every traditional anime trope they could in this little 13 minute skit um i shouldn't say skit it's a legitimate thing they've got a they've got an opening uh song they've got japanese voice actors it's actually really well done and yeah. i want to see more stuff like it and just like watching studio ghibli what the fuck is happening here just like watching <laughs> studio ghibli um it really just sort of inspired my you know, nonsense idea of trying to open an animation studio. Cause it's like, you know, if a handful of YouTubers can make something like this come to life and it'd be so fucking good. Like if someone just dedicated their time to just making more stuff like this, I feel like it could really be a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the thing I like about this a lot is that like, it's very stylized, but you can still tell what's happening. If you knew the original, you know what I mean? Like you, like, you know what story they're doing based off of some of the shots. Yeah. Like, it still makes sense. Wait, explain explain uh, which ones you mean specifically. Like, some of, like, the scenes they pull from, like, in the opening credits I remember seeing. Like, I remember that from, like, the original Spongebob. Like, like because they do, like, shot-for-shot remakes. Oh, I thought like, you meant of the anime they were parodying. No, no. I meant, like, like it looks completely different. But you can still. But you see can tell they're, they're in the crabby, in the crusty crab. Were, you can tell they're in the jellyfish fields. All that you mean. But you can tell like it's literally shot for shot, just a different style. Yeah. In a lot of circumstances. It's it's pretty high quality. We had a bit of an issue where it got taken down because of um, the new rules that YouTube has regarding Kappa. One of which specifically outlined using children's cartoon characters means that your video would be directed towards kids. So the creator of the SpongeBob anime, um, who is, I will find it, don't worry, who is Narmak on YouTube and on Twitter, had the video taken down because he marked that it wasn't for kids, but obviously YouTube seeing that it's got SpongeBob in the title and SpongeBob cartoon characters is going to go, no, this is definitely for kids. Within yeah. about 24 or 48 hours, it's got taken back up as of about two hours ago of us recording this. So it's back online. I will link it in the description um, of the YouTube video if you're listening to this. If you guys want to, or just look up SpongeBob anime on YouTube. It'll be the first result. It's at like 3 million views now. 5 million Critical's views now? video. Critical's video will be there. 8 million views now. It's done 5 million views in the last 24 hours. Jesus Christ. Go watch Damn, it. Son. Go support stuff like this. If stuff like this continues to be something that entertains you like the only reason that people don't do animation is because they think that more people want to watch reality tv shows and more stuff about the kardashians but if you appreciate that, stuff like this and you support it like the the world's there's so much stuff you could do they're always going to make stuff like the kardashians so do you know how little like budget that needs to be a thing i mean yes but i feel like animation's getting close like reality how TV, cheap it, was it to make the jersey shore like probably dirt cheap I mean, you still have to pay, like, location fees and licensing for, like, the places that you're at and the clubs that they visit and things like that. It's cheap compared to, like, a movie, sure. But you get animation down to the point where 
you start to wonder like, hey, it's going to be cheaper for us to get voice actors and animate this than it would for us to get real people. And if we do it that way, we could animate the main character look exactly like we want her to instead of hiring someone who's close enough, but their acting skills better than the real actress that we thought would be a perfect fit for the main character. You don't need to worry about any of that. Everything always looks perfect. Explosions are in. No stories get told differently because they didn't have the budget to do it a different way as far as scenes and locale and stuff is concerned. In an anime, if you want an explosion, if you want a demon, if you want car crashes and you want it to be realistic, it's all available to you. It's all possible. And I feel like you, mean you won't have a scene where a car explodes in the screen because you couldn't afford the budget to have an explosion. You just wrote on screen video FX car explosion. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was, my, that was my favorite moment in Velocipaster. I hate everything about what you're saying right now. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I think you told me that you watched a movie called Velocipaster. And I was like, is it what I think it is? And you were like, no, it's Velociraptors yes. that are pastors. And I was like, that's what I thought it was. Oh, yeah, it was exactly what you thought it was. I love the scene where he's at the scene right after the pastor goes. Yeah, your parents died. That's what parents do. Brilliant. (laughs) 10 out of 10 Um, writing. One last thing I want to touch on is I watched one more anime over last weekend, and it's this anime called uh, Anohana. The Japanese name is... uh, Why am I doing this? Anohimita Hano no Nami wa Bukutashi wa Mada Shiranai, which is we couldn't remember the name of the flower that we saw that day, something like that. The flower we saw that day. We still don't know the name of the flower we saw that day, which I think is, I didn't give it a super high score. I gave it a six. It's a very slow burn, uh, dramatic slice of life story, but it's kind of beautiful. I'm going to break it down for you really quick. Episode one. You sound confused by it. Huh? You sound confused by it. I was kind of. I'm I'm caught between the fact that I, I didn't really super enjoy the anime for what it was because it's a slow burn you know drama um but it's done so well and it's kind of so different from other stuff that i've seen that i i want to give it a higher score because it really is kind of beautiful episode one the main character wakes up and he's visited by what he assumes is the ghost of a childhood friend who died like eight years ago five years ago and she's older she's his age and she's like hey what's going on And he's like, what are you doing here? You're dead. And she's like, I don't know. And so he proceeds among his life. And over the course of 11 episodes, you slowly realize that there are other people who were a part of that friend group that all sort of fell out after the girl died. And um, the girl says that she has a wish. And the main character feels like if he helps her complete whatever wish that she had, maybe she'll be at peace and move on to the afterlife. So he recruits the help of all the other people that he used to be friends with, but now hasn't talked to in years. They can't see this ghost of the girl who's passed away. And at first they're trying to humor him because he's a bit secluded and hasn't been to school in so long. His dad doesn't make him go ever since his mom passed away. And so they're just happy to see him. But then slowly over time, they visit the dead girl's mom. She begins to get very 
um, angry towards them for bringing up her dead daughter and acting like it's all a game. All the other kids start to get very mad at the main character for pretending like he's seeing this girl who died years ago and torturing them with the thoughts of them not being able to have saved her from falling in the river and drowning. And then slowly by the end of the anime, you learn that they all sort of had their own uh, issue and resentment and guilt about how they treated her in her moments before dying that day. And then once finally accepting that and launching off this rocket, which they learned was the wish that she had, she wanted to fire a rocket up into the air and they had to go through these hoops to make it happen. They see her right before the, the episode ends. And they're like, oh, we see her. And they all apologize. They all say that they love her. And then she feels at peace and then disappears into the air. And you assume she's now passed on into heaven, now being at peace with all of her friends or what have you. It's kind of beautiful, right? Yeah. Harder sell than what you do with Death Note. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's only 11 episodes. It, again, totally okay. wasn't really my cup of tea. I gave it a six. I, 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 I know people have given it a full-on 10, and I get that. But it's I, I don't know if I'd spend another four or five hours watching it with somebody is sort of the test I put it through. I'd recommend it's to it. to each their own. Yeah. I mean, there's there's plenty of animes that I will watch a hundred times over, and I will watch it with you. They're usually comedies or you know, Evangelion. But yeah, I started rewatching Naruto just because I have an emptiness in my life. I well, I'm, getting, I'm watching with my I'm watching with my sister because it's her first time. You don't need to justify it. Is she old enough to get but the I, tattoo I with you and your cousins? Uh, she tattooed herself, so I mean. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Cool. Well, that's most everything that I've got. You got any you got any closing uh remarks here, Alex? Uh don't forget to tape your wagers. Don't forget to tape your wagers. Yep. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> Thanks so much for making it to the end of the episode. If you guys want, make sure you subscribe so that you catch probably pretty irrelevant videos compared to this one, but also this one every week on the Schpodcast. Also available on iTunes and Spotify. Again, I don't know why I say that at the end of episodes. You've already listened this far, so that information doesn't help you anymore. Um, it's for, it's always for the next. It's always for the next. Yeah, the next one's also available there. So maybe watch the next one there. Listen to the next one there. Feel the next one there. Become the marble. I'll catch you guys next week. Shpeace. Shpeace.